Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, or braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. This week I was brave because I went to therapy for the first time. It's really scary. It was less difficult than I thought. It was over the phone, which I think helps. I've found out that you can have a therapist that will let you talk, and you can have one that will ask you questions. That second one is way better for me, because if you don't ask me questions, I will have nothing to tell you. <laughs> so, like, if you if we're friends and you want me to share stuff with you, just ask and I will tell you. But I won't just share information willy-nilly without being asked for it. I've only done one session so far. One of the reasons why it's so difficult for people to, to do it, it's because it's super expensive. I, I had been suggested other places, um, but for one reason or another... I didn't manage to to study it up, mostly because uh, most of them have waiting lists and all of that. But I found this place, this new place that was targeted at me <laughs> through Instagram. So I guess my Instagram is telling people, hey, she needs help, get her uh, some uh, counseling. Um, and that's what happened. I booked um, an assessment and that's what I've done so far. I've done an assessment. I will do more sessions and we'll see how it goes and how it works for me. But it's a first step that I think is brave for me. All of you that have been doing therapy for years are thinking, huh, brave. <laughs> But for me, it is a, a first step of bravery. I sometimes think I'm running out of brave things to do. And I've just realized that in this episode, I get a suggestion of something that is brave that I should do and that I said I'd do immediately after we stopped the recording and I haven't, so that's on my list of brave things to do. But if you are listening and you think, oh, that's something brave that I think she should try, tweet at me, get in touch, tell me what's the next brave thing I should try and do. And also just a reminder that I haven't recorded new episodes in 2021 yet. So this was recorded in 2020 before a lot of big things that happened in the world. This episode starts as Dowdy always starts, with my guest Patrick Keane introducing himself. I'm Patrick, Patrick Keane. I'm an improviser and comedian in Brooklyn, New York. I think that's it. Uh, I used to perform at UCB Theater. Currently, uh, in, our, in our lockdown state, doesn't seem to exist anymore. Uh, certainly not here in New York. So now I'm just... Uh, living my life you're a, a free a free roamer with no free home. roamer yes free agent yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> waiting to be picked up <laughs> how would you define bravery i think bravery to me is like i always hear when people say that thing of like you can only be brave when you're scared uh and to me i identify with that so to me bravery is like having the feeling that you don't want to do something but knowing that you should do it or that it would be good for you to do it and going ahead and pushing past that fear and doing that thing. Yeah, so you definitely relate it to fear. And mm -hmm. that's like a palpable uh, feeling you have when you are being brave. You're aware you're being brave when you're being brave. Yeah, I think so, right? It's like, I think, uh, yeah, you're not just like sort of uh, ignorantly doing something that is like crazy it's like you sort of have the feeling in yourself that sort of scared feeling of like i don't want to be doing this but when you're brave you go ahead and you do that thing yeah so yeah. 
have you thought uh, I just kicked my guitar and there was some noise, but that's fine. <laughs> A beautiful sound. <laughs> yes. <laughs> have you thought about moments in your life in which you have been brave? Yeah, I think there's a few. I would I would say bravery is something that I am like working on. So I don't I wouldn't consider myself a brave person, but it's something that I am actively working on and I think there have been moments in my life when I've been brave. Um I'm a gay person, I'm a gay man, a queer man, and I think um when you are vocal about that and when you speak to that those moments like coming out to people and stating your identity those have been moments of bravery for me mm-hmm. and, I, and i've had plenty of moments where i haven't spoken to that so moments where i haven't been brave with it moments when i have been brave with that yeah when have you come out i know mm-hmm. that you come out at different times to different people and all of mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. so yes 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 but like the first time <laughs> that happened yeah like yeah it was like to a friend right and it was um it was a moment in which um this was a friend uh that i really admired and really looked up to and we had been um at a bar earlier in the evening and someone had straight up asked me if i was gay or not and i said no because in that moment i was too scared to yeah. say yes and so later that evening when it was just me and that friend i felt like that pressure on myself to be like oh this is a moment when i do need to like come out and like say this thing and that i think was the first time that i actively told someone who had already been in my life you know mm-hmm. other people like people who i had met like by being gay like men or whatever like men i was having yeah. sex with <laughs> it's like they knew, they knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and those moments i was being a little brave but that wasn't the same thing of like um this is someone who like i had met and who i had known and then i had to like take that extra step to like identify myself mm-hmm. mm. so that was like the first time were you in new york did you grow up in new new york i I was in New York. I did not grow up in New York. And this was not that long ago in terms of my life. Mm. Um, this was like seven years ago at this point. So probably like when I was like 27 or 28. I'm 34 now. And I originally from California and I went to high school, middle school in Colorado. And I came out to New York for college. But in college, it's that kind of thing of like, I wasn't actively performing as straight. Like I wasn't like dating women or doing anything like that but it's just like the kind of unspoken thing yeah just being like i don't i'm not gonna say it (laughs) but it's like i think most people assume straightness from whatever like (laughs) that's what you assume are what most people assume when they first meet someone unless there's unless they are kissing like uh, (laughs) someone from from the same gender they will assume uh straightness i guess yeah it's very much like the normative identity of people and and that makes sense because it is like percentage wise just like you're probably going to be straight um yeah and there's certain like markers and identifiers that we sort of like lock onto and and for sure i have known so many friends who it's like oh yeah of course they knew and then like maybe other friends didn't know because they're just like not that keyed into those things yeah but yeah it's like it's it's such a weird thing because it is like oh yeah straight people don't go around telling people they're straight so it's it's not not an experience that everyone has to have i'm queer and i feel like i haven't come out to so many people and part of it is that i i don't know for me it's it's weird to just say, hey, I'm queer, unless I'm like introducing <laughs> you to a partner or something like that. 
Yeah, totally. If I was straight, I wouldn't be walking around telling everyone, hey, hey I'm straight. <laughs> just so you know. Just so you just know. <laughs> yeah, I'm straight. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, there's, It's so... Like, it's obviously, like, a core component of your identity. Like, maybe. It's, I think for some people it's not at all. But, you know, it is. But it is just so irrelevant in so many situations. It's like, yeah, why would I tell anyone? <laughs> um, and then, it, But then it does become a thing where it's like, oh, then maybe, like, you haven't told anyone. Then that yeah. kind of thing, that, that can build up in you. And I do feel like, for me, like, I haven't come out to my parents mm-hmm. because of that. Because I feel like one day that I have, like, partners to introduce to them, I will do it. And mm-hmm. I think... There wouldn't be a problem, I think, but it yeah. just feels weird to come home for Christmas and say, hey, by the way, <laughs> I'm queer, just so you know. Yeah, that's that's how it was for me with my parents. I didn't come out to them until I had a partner yeah. that was like someone to be like, hey, like, just so you know, like I'm bringing home a boyfriend or like I have a boyfriend right now. Because, yeah, before I felt the same way where it was kind of like oh, this doesn't, it doesn't really concern you. Yeah. I don't need to be like, hey, just so you know, I'm fucking men. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. And I will so, also tell you how many and how frequently. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm a top or a bottom. Yeah. yeah, like it's, I think, I feel like that's totally a normal thing. Yeah, to just like sort of be like, yeah, I'll tell them when I'm like dating someone or they'll just know because I'm dating someone of my gender or whatever. Yeah, and maybe I'm, I'm mentioning someone more. Uh, yeah, and that person yeah. is probably someone I'm seeing. <laughs> I think that's how your parents <laughs> usually know that there's something going on. <laughs> yeah, you talk about them a lot. Or they see photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I do remember, I like the first time I li- was living in the UK, I was doing my master's here. And there's a photo of me on Facebook that mm-hmm. was like me and a friend, uh, a, a guy, taking a photo of a graffiti on the wall that was like a man's back and both Mm -hmm. he and I were grabbing this man's butt on the wall Mm -hmm. and everyone thought that meant we were in a relationship (laughs) (laughs) so sometimes the photos you put on Facebook don't really (laughs) represent what you think they are representing yeah 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 you're reading a lot into that besides if you're both reaching for the man's man's butt seems more likely he'd be gay (laughs) He was gay, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird thing that sort of like the assumptions people make about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, um, and the, all that weirdness of like the heteronormativity of like, of having a friend who is of the opposite gender and being like, is this something? And it's like, why are you putting so much pressure on that all the time? <laughs> You're making it more weird for people. Yeah. And like, I'm pansexual. I think that's the correct term for mm-hmm. what I am. <laughs> And it does feel a bit like weird growing up and like you are uh, supposed to be attracted to men. So or mm-hmm. I am supposed to be attracted to men. So, yeah, you think about that when you have a friendship, but you don't think about that when you have a friendship with a woman. And then, yeah, it just happens. Yeah. That, oh, this is different. And there's like yeah. a, whole, a whole discovery, fun discovery <laughs> to be had <laughs> because you're just not considering that's a possibility yeah yeah it's very different it's very like uh yeah i mean i can't imagine what it's like to just be like just straight but it's like oh yeah you're um the the world is kind of just set up for you and you watch movies and tv shows and you sort of click into it but yeah for queer people there's like such a 
world of discovery that like has to happen of like wait what is happening like what's going on <laughs> like what is the difference here yeah but it's maybe it's fun maybe we know each other better than all the straight people out there <laughs> i think so i mean i think that's true i don't know i think there's some straight people that are very in touch with their sexualities but it's like i do think that queer people for sure have at least thought about it more and sort of explored more of like what are my actual desires in a way that I think is healthy, probably. Yeah. Now, because you are a performer and you mm -hmm. perform in like LGBTQ shows and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you are openly out on social media and all of those yeah. things that people... Uh, mm -hmm. So, is there anything else you can be brave about <laughs> in your queerness? <laughs> I don't know about in my queerness. I wonder. I'm sure there there must be. I think there must be. I'm not someone that dates a lot or or like has had many like long-term romantic partners. So I think I can be brave with that. That's another sort of like sense of discovery, right? Because I think we live in a culture that's like very tied to monogamy and the idea that like we should be sort of like partnered up. So it's another place where it's like oh, am I trying to do this because of this like thing I've been fed my whole life? Or, and is there something else out there that like sh I should feel just as like happy in, mm -hmm. right? So there's some discovery there too. But maybe I could also be brave and try to have more romantic partners, long-term <laughs> romantic partners. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel you. I identify as polyamorous or ethically mm -hmm. non-monogamous. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, it was one of those moments of discovery when I realized it was a thing and I felt, oh, I can, I can like do things that make me happier because I don't want to be tied to one person or I don't feel like yeah. one person can be everything I need for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but I, I sometimes wonder, but am I just not maybe brave enough to be with one person for the rest of my life? Maybe I'm not. <laughs> that sounds <Yeah>. boring. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Yeah, it's hard to know sometimes if like you're making a choice that is about rightfully pursuing the way you want to live and like having free will or if you're sort of just like defending yourself and defending your ego and like um, self-sabotaging mm -hmm. in that way. It's hard to know sometimes. And it's I think maybe just life is being confident enough to live in your choices. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a beautiful thought. And I feel like as long as things are working oh, yeah 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 right i think that's like the thing with i don't know much about psychology but the thing about psychology being like you know as long as it as long as behavior isn't pathological as long as it's not hurting you then there isn't an issue with it you know so if you can tell within yourself i'm not being hurt by the choices i'm making then it's like yeah why why isn't that okay of course that that also brings another another problem because even when you're like in this I, I don't know, you will be hurt by relationships, whether it's mm -hmm. the right choice or not, that will happen. So sometimes that may bring another like, huh, am I being hurt because I'm doing the wrong thing? Maybe not. Maybe you're just dating a jackass. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's like a very natural part of life. So I don't know. That's tough. Tough to know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will uh, get you back in like a few years time and see yeah, if, you're, if you got <laughs> any conclusion for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I will not. <laughs> but I do think it's nice. It's like, I, do, I do think it is that thing of I think our culture, the whole world essentially is very tied to like this sort of idea of like partnerships. And I think I think we're starting to break free with that 
with like ethical non-monogamy yeah. and stuff like that i think we're starting to like learn what the alternatives can look like which is very cool i actually was reading recently about the history of marriage in the uk and i don't know how universal dates are in but uh marriage was only a thing in like 1740 something so the idea of nuclear family was only from that time on and like yeah, wow. two people together so it's even that is very young <laughs> yeah totally that's so cool i think we like yeah I think so many of these things like that are things that were like, oh yeah, of course that's the way it is. And it's like, oh yeah, it is so, it's such a young idea. Yeah. What was it like before then? It was just like communities of people. There was a lot of communities of people. There were people making like um, a commitment to each other, but commitment appeared to be, we're good now. If we have kids, we're both responsible for the kids. Mm -hmm. But if we don't want to be together anymore, we won't be together anymore. And we have a community of people that will help us, our parents, our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of that. And apparently it was the like the rich people, <laughs> higher classes that decided to change it. Yeah. And they made sense. rules like you need to have a house to live. To get married, you have to have a house, independent house to live with your <sighs> wife or husband. And you have to pay for like a ceremony in the church. So it was all a money thing. Yeah, it always is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sucks <laughs> i'm a big anti-proponent of gay marriage <laughs> which i sometimes feel bad about because i think if, if gay people want to get married and they want to have a big wedding and they want to live that life you know go ahead and do it but i do think it's one of those things where it is like yeah this is another thing where it's like oh it's all about money and it's all about assimilating into like the sort of system we have and the laws and systems we've set up and it's like it feels very antithetical to like queerness to me um, so it's a shame that it's, at least in the United States, has become sort of like the main, main queer uh, rights avenue. Like when people think about queer rights, like gay marriage is such a huge thing, which I think is a real bummer. Yeah, <laughs> so many more, seeing so from many that more perspective. Important. But if you want to get married, go, go for <laughs> it. <laughs> My, my mom's a lawyer, and I think the, the thing she makes more money out of is divorces. <laughs> so, <laughs> I even though my parents are still together after, I don't know, mm -hmm. almost 40 years, I do believe that people shouldn't get married because the divorce is in your future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just going to be too expensive. Just yeah. don't stay married, and then one day... You know, you just be together for the rest of your lives and not even be married. Yeah, and now there's like civil yeah. partnerships and stuff like that. So you can have mm -hmm. the rights. I don't know if the rights are all the same, but like rights to yeah. health and kids and yeah. whatever, maybe, are also mm -hmm. available through civil partnerships. Totally. There are other moments you said you thought about more than one moment of bravery. Yes. I don't know, thinking about performing, obviously, I think is like always that kind of thing of bravery. And I feel like the way I fell into performing, it's probably like the way a lot of people do, but um, it felt like a, almost a very unbrave way of like taking classes, right? It's very like eases you into it, which is also like how I moved to New York is like through college. And sometimes I, I used to think about the people that moved here like after college or without college who just like moved to New York City. And to me, they seem so brave because they have nothing. They have no like network. I mean, they might, but a lot of people come here with like no network or anything. They just move to the city and find friends and stuff, which seems hard to me, seems scary. And I did it in a very like comfortable way of like, 
oh, you're going to go to college here. So here's a whole dorm full of people your age that also moved here. So you can make friends with them and we'll set you up with everything. It's just very nice. And so in the same way, performing by starting performing by taking classes felt in a similar way of like, oh, we're going to ease you into it. So in some ways that feels less brave, but I think there's obviously still some kind of bravery in getting onto sta- a stage and performing, yeah. <laughs> sort of like putting yourself out there. What got you to take classes? I just had not a lot going on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> my roommate had taken some classes at UCB and she recommended them for me. And so that is what got me into it. Um, and I had known about UCB uh, here in New York. I'd like gone to shows and I love comedy. So it seemed great to do since I had nothing much else to do. Yeah. And I always think, I always say this is like, I think a lot of people um, sort of have like a sense of entitlement when it comes to like performing or whatever. And it's like, and, which is great because they just are like, yes, of course I can do this too. But I think some people sort of need to be given permission to do things. And I think maybe that's where I fell into it, where I never before watched people doing that stuff and thought like, I could do this too. I sort of needed someone to tell me, like, you can do this too. Yeah. And then that's like what pushed me into it. So another way in which I wasn't really brave. <laughs> But you did, like, you kept to it and you went on stage. You didn't just take classes. True. Yes. And so, yeah, I think in a lot of those ways, there's times that I've been brave. I was thinking about like self-sabotaging, which I think is like a very unbrave thing of like sort of uh, capping yourself in the knees or whatever and sort of accepting failure before you've even really tried. Yeah. And I sort of think I am a person that maybe does that a lot, but I do think with performance, that is one thing where it was like, oh, I did really go for it. <laughs> and like, and like found success with it and like had a great time doing it. And like also had a lot of failures along the way, but um, I didn't stop myself from doing it before I even started, which is something I've done in my life before. Yeah, I self-sabotage a lot as well. And I mm -hmm. also feel like I do less of that in performing. Do you think that's because that's something you really, really enjoy? That's something you really, really want to do? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think there's a few reasons. And I think one of them, yeah, it's because I really like it. It's really fun to do it. And I think too, because I think improv especially, which is like, the main thing that I studied and performed and did and, and do is that's like the mode of it of like, you don't have to prepare, you don't have to um, sit with something and like, you don't get those opportunities to sit with it and be like, mm, maybe not. It's like, mm -hmm. you literally kind of like shoved out onto the stage <laughs> and it's like, let's just go. So I think in that way, that art form is like a prime art form for people who maybe do self-sabotage because it's sort of like you're, you're sort of just like put on the spot yeah. um, and it's kind of like you better just do it. So I think that's helpful. Yeah, that is definitely. When I started doing improv, I found myself overthinking things. So I'd stay on the back line and I mm -hmm. wouldn't go forward because I was thinking, is this, is this a good move? Is this a good move? And then someone else would go and I had lost my moment. Yeah. So you can you still like the be... the exact same move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can still self-sabotage from the back wall. Absolutely, you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really can. And I think, yeah, like the people, I think what you see a lot is like that confidence is is what makes people great performers i think and like slowly learning maybe 
over your time as a performer of being like, oh, the like thing that's going to lead to my success is not thinking of a really good idea. It's like just going to be the confidence with which I like attack the moment. I think it's like a really sort of powerful thing that works well in improv and hopefully transforms your brain in the rest of your day-to-day life maybe of understanding that of like it's better for me to just attack the moment rather than like sit back and wait for like the perfect opportunity yeah and i think that that comes a lot through to bravery or i also relate bravery as like being out of your comfort zone and Mm -hmm. sometimes pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is the thing that will make things change in our life or uh you're finding out that something you've never thought was good is great i don't know (laughs) yeah no i think that's so great i think there's so many times in my life and i don't know and probably for you too just because you just said this but it's like there's so many times where i have thought something was going to be bad or something was like not going to be that great but for one reason or another i pursued it or was pushed into it and then it turns out to be like really great and it's like oh i never ever would have thought that that was the case uh so it's like oh it's so nice that for one reason or another I was pushed out of my comfort zone and I was like forced into like making that choice to like realize that I can't think of the right phrase but like that we have this idea of like what's gonna work and it's like actually you don't really know I think that's a really cool thing yeah and I think like even even when we know when we think we know what's going to happen and we plan uh sometimes Mm -hmm a global pandemic hits you and you'll lose a year. So yeah. there's maybe just throwing yourself into things is not yeah. that different than planning and hoping that what you think will be the next step will be the right next step. Yeah. Do you find that pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is something that you like practice, actively practice in your day-to-day life? I don't know if in my day-to-day life, but I know like when I turned 30, I decided to put myself out of my comfort zone and try new things. That's how I started doing improv. So yeah, I like, and I, now sometimes I feel like, okay, cool. What can I do that will be (laughs) a new class, like a new, I'm going to do a pole dancing class. I'll be super uncomfortable, but I will do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's cool that education is there to like give us like a very sort of like structured environment to do yeah. stuff like that which I think is really cool yeah I was I just took an ASL class online an American Sign Language mm-hmm. class and I was so nervous going into it because I was just like what if it's really hard or what if the class is not good or like all of these things it was just like another one of those things where it was like obviously it was really great really enjoyable and I like learned a lot and was so happy I did it um but yeah it is one of those things where it's like it's so it can be so there's so many things in your body and your mind telling you like not to do things that are different and then when you do them you're like yeah of course this was like fine and this was good yeah I think so yeah education is a good way to get into things Mm -hmm. but many times my brain makes me think oh maybe like I, it will be I'm a little socially anxious so I'll meet new people and maybe it will be hard for me to talk to them and it's a new place that I've never been in and all of those things uh, mm-hmm. go through my mind so yeah there's always nerves <laughs> when I do yeah. a new thing of that th- <laughs> search and also like, I do stand up so outside of coronavirus I am in rooms of people I don't know uh, most mm-hmm. nights and that somehow 
is different or I just got used to it. But doing like a new class with civilians, it's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at this point, you know, you're comfortable with other kinds of stand-ups or like the crowds at stand-up shows. So you're like sort of comfortable with like what you're going to get there. I wouldn't say I'm like, I'm not super Com I, I don't know if I will like the people performing or if the audience will like me and all of that. But mm -hmm. I know like I know that the worst thing that can happen is that yeah. I don't know, people won't laugh. <laughs> yeah. And I'll go home yeah. early. I don't know. <laughs> there's I not slink out of there. There's not huge high stakes. I guess there could be someone in the audience that's like an industry person that will now mm -hmm. hate me from then on, but I try not <laughs> to think of that as a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's like such a real power in knowing the worst that can happen. Like when you bomb really hard for the first time in like comedy, that is like a really sort of freeing feeling after. Because after that, you're kind of like, oh yeah, like I've experienced that. I've experienced like standing on stage to zero laughter for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and so it's like now, I, now I'm not so scared anymore, um, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah, it's, it is nice. You, you may be destroyed for like a minute, but <laughs> you'll pick oh, yeah. yourself up. <laughs> for sure. I mean, you never forget it. Yeah. I, can, I have it like I have a show that I did which was like the bottom of the barrel for me and my team I think they would all agree to this like very early on in my improv career and um like it's burned into my brain <laughs> like I can remember so much about it and like things that were said and done and like the feeling and the look of everything it's stuck with me but it is like the same thing where I'm just like well it'll never be that bad again <laughs> <laughs> Which is a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the other side of the scale, and you've said you sometimes self-sabotage yourself, but is there like mm. moments in your life that you know you haven't done something because of lack of bravery or fear? Yeah. I'm going to try to think of a specific example, but I definitely think that I'm someone who's very much loves to be in his comfort zone. <laughs> I don't <laughs> love to push out of it, especially with people. I think like if I'm comfortable in a setting or in a community, then I'm like a very sociable person and it's very easy for me to meet and talk to people. But when I'm like far removed from any of that, it's very difficult for me. This is maybe not the best example, but this is something I think about a lot because uh, I'm someone who I cannot meet strangers like at a bar or like, you know, just like out and about. And uh, I went to um, Paris last fall yeah last fall and uh, I went by myself because my friend had to like bail last minute and I had a very nice time I love Paris it's like my favorite place outside of New York so I had a very nice time but the whole time I was there alone and I kept just thinking like it would be so nice to like meet someone like anyone like just a friend just a just a person who lives in Paris just like talk to them just like have a conversation with someone and I don't think it would have been that difficult like I think because my other friend Kelly she was like either just in Paris right before me I think or she went after me I forget but she had like several stories of like I was at a bar I like met this person they like told me to like come to their gallery so I like went to their gallery like all these things are just like meeting I had a really nice conversation with someone all this kind of stuff um and she speaks like a little French but she was having full conversations like in English yeah. um so it's like dang I wish I wish I could have I wish I could do that but I've never felt comfortable approaching people that way or like 
even when people sort of like say stuff to me, I get really like awkward in like situations like that, like at bars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's one specific time where it was like, oh, dang, like, I think if I were brave, I would have just like had a conversation with someone at some point. And I think I would have really enjoyed that. But I was too afraid to reach out to yeah. anyone. And you were staying by yourself, like on an, on an Airbnb? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was staying by myself in Airbnb. So yeah, it was just like, yeah, there wasn't really anyone. And I think that's like, so that's this particular time. But then I think that is kind of like my whole life of even just like being in New York. I'm not someone that's like, gonna like meet someone on the street and like become their friend, which I like some people do that. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I I can't do that either. How is it like uh, (laughs) dating? Can you meet people? It's like when you go out or no, no, not at all. Like, yeah, only through apps or like through friends. But I've never once there was a guy um, I was sitting in the park like a few months ago. And I had been reading a book like the week before. And I was in the park the next week and this guy came up to me to talk to me about the book I was reading the previous week. So it's like, obviously this person was like, even if he wasn't romantically interested, he was like very interested in the book I was reading. It was like a very, it was about the Russian filmmaker Tarkovsky. And he was like very specifically, like had a lot of knowledge and and I'm super interested in him as a filmmaker. So I have a lot of knowledge too. And he was trying to have this conversation with me and I was so awkward. I was like, so just like, clammed up and like was like mm-hmm, no yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh this person tried so hard to reach out to me and it could have been so nice to have like this new friend or even maybe he was trying to be more than a friend but whatever it was I think I'll never see him again and he'll never try to talk to me again yeah. because I was so <laughs> clammed up that time <laughs> but so like when you meet Uh, someone through online dating for instance and you go on Mm -hmm. your first date is it easier to have a conversation yeah i think it is i think um in in terms of that for me the only awkwardness there is like if we just like don't have much in common Mm -hmm. and then it can be sometimes awkward but in terms of that i'm like very comfortable i'm like yeah totally because i think there's like a sort of like mutual understanding of like what's happening it's like yeah we're here like on a date yeah. we're here to like be with each other you don't have to like suss it out i think maybe sometimes what i'm so afraid of is like putting too much on another person like oh this person just wants to like enjoy themselves so even if they're like actively talking to me i'm like they don't want to hear from me they're just <laughs> trying to enjoy themselves so if it's like a date where it's like agreed upon that this is what we're doing i think i don't have an issue with mm-hmm. that yeah yeah That makes sense. Uh, I, I was trying to understand it myself because uh, I'm the same. Like if someone comes up to me on a park bench, I will mm-hmm. think I will probably ask myself what what do they want? <laughs> Why mm-hmm. are they talking to me? But yeah, yeah online dating. It's first you like you probably talk to a little exchange at least two messages uh, before you met them. So yeah, definitely. Like When you do, so do you do online dating? Yeah. Do you have any issues with that or feel awkward about that at all? Or is it more like what I was saying? Yeah, it's more like what you were saying. I feel awkward sometimes while we're still texting to tell people exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes because I feel like when others do that to me sometimes it's like super um, okay uh, that was too much on the first message so there's always that uh, should I yeah. tell them I- I'm looking for 
a fuck? Mm-hmm. Or should mm-hmm. I <laughs> wait a little bit? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard to know. It, it's like the thing of like, oh, you would hope or maybe think that like we could just say what we want to say and just like, hey, I'm just saying what I'm saying. And like, you take it or leave it. But I think there's like a fear of like, crossing a line or crossing some kind of boundary and being like and like upsetting someone or like or making them feel uncomfortable in any way and it's like oh i just like really don't want to do that yeah but then once we meet and we go out like i i think i am a good like i ask questions i tell mm-hmm. things about myself but i've had experiences <laughs> of like the other person answering yes and no to questions yeah. and it being really really hard to keep a conversation totally. going so i try to be a good date sometimes i worry i'm <laughs> I'm te- I'm talking too much about myself, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard, you know. You try your best. Yeah, I, yeah. Some people are also just like really awful conversationalists. So, yeah. like, unfortunately, yeah. Sometimes it's really tough. Like, I went on. This was like almost two years ago at this point. But I was like, I went on a series of dates, and they were all so bad. And it was just like the person couldn't have a conversation. And like, you know, if it's that many and it's a problem, maybe it's me. But I think it was them. <laughs> And it was just like, I was like, dang, yeah, like, I think a lot of people do have issues with holding a conversation. And it's like, it just sometimes feels like a waste of your time to be like, this is so uncomfortable. And like, I'm not having fun. (laughs) Just a bummer. And I feel like those are the moments that feel like a waste of time in dating. Because even when Mm -hmm. like a date doesn't go anywhere or like you don't have a second date or whatever, if the conversation is good, you at least spent like a bit of your time with someone who you could exchange some ideas with. Yeah, totally. Like learn something different about what's happening in your city, right? Mm -hmm. Because you like talk to someone who has like an interesting job or like does something fun which is cool. But yeah, when it's like just bad, it's like, oh yeah, that was a waste. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, because you talked, like learning about someone's job, I just remember that a date I had like many years ago with a person who worked in, um, what you call them? Those people who try to find people to do jobs. Um, Oh yeah, a headhunter? Headhunter, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So he just like started evaluating me. (laughs) on my <laughs> communication skills and no. stuff like that and how I could sell myself better and I'm, I was like we're on a date what what's happening yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh that's awful that would suck yeah. <laughs> how I could sell myself better that is such a nightmare <laughs> not trying to sell myself yeah not trying to sell myself for sure <laughs> is there something coming up in your life for which you will have to be brave. I think I'm going to be moving soon, just in the city. But I think that's going to require a lot of effort on my part. And I think I'll have to be brave about it. <laughs> it's also the same thing of like, um, I think when you, uh, the like perfection being the enemy of action, or I don't know what the phrase is, but yeah. like that thing of like staying on the back line, this kind of feels similar of like, oh, I just like want to go to like the perfect apartment or I want to have like the perfect living situation, which is like probably not non-existent, right? So there's something there that's like, there's a lot of inertia to keep me from moving or to changing a situation because it doesn't feel like it's good enough yet. Mm -hmm. Whereas it might require some bravery to be like, this is going to be like 
at least an upgrade or at least like good for me in this moment and i just need to like pursue it and go after it i hear rents are dropping in new york so that's yeah. a good time to move i know and that's an that's another sort of thing of like um a sort of troubling piece of my brain where it's like at what point will it be like at its lowest right it's like yeah. you want to strike like in that one exact moment when it's gonna like just like be at the rock bottom <laughs> but it's like you'll never be able to know yeah. beforehand so it's like you know all you all you can do is like look and think and think what's my budget and what do i think is a good thing to spend but they are really going down so that's yeah. why i gotta go <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping that will happen here because I also want to move yeah. and I have like oh. a contract till the end of February. So I hope they drop oh, and drop and drop until then. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I hope that for you too. <laughs> have they been dropping at all or no? They've dropped apparently a lot already, but it's mm -hmm. still unaffordable <laughs> for some yeah. reason. I've been in the same place for four years and I think the rents barely moved. So it feels mm -hmm. like... Everything else outside of the place where I live has increased uh, prices a lot. Totally. I've lived in my apartment for 12 years and it feels like it feels like if I moved, I would have to move to such a farther away neighborhood just to get the same value. And it's like, oh, that's such a bummer because I love my neighborhood and I love how close I am to everything. But yeah, it, it wasn't dropping here for a really long time and it felt crazy because it was like everyone's moving out. How are they not dropping? But eventually they dropped it catches up and here <laughs> up. after coronavirus we'll have brexit so they will keep mm -hmm. dropping uh, <laughs> it's just nightmare after nightmare yeah. so they'll, they'll have to drop <laughs> i may also not want to live here anymore after yeah. all of that happens but who knows uh, <laughs> also like True. living in the same house for 12 years it yeah. it will be a lot of effort to move i imagine absolutely <laughs> oh yeah accumulate totally. a lot <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have so much crap. Um, I read the Marie Kondo book, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that, yeah. the, I forget what it's called, The Art of Tidying Up. So I'm trying to do that. But yeah, you accumulate so much crap. I really need to get rid of it. <laughs> I keep getting rid of stuff. And then I look around and I'm like, wait, there's still so much <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I really want to minimalize before the move. For sure. Yeah, that's a good thing of moves as well is that you take stock mm -hmm. of the things you need and the things you don't need. So. Totally. Yes, I need to do that. <laughs> it's hard to stay committed to the decisions you make when you move because when I moved to this house, I realized I had too many shoes and that I wouldn't buy <laughs> new shoes unless I got rid of a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to do that very much, but it's it's hard. It's been four years and I, I, I think I'm still doing it, but <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I just want a new pair of shoes. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Then you just got to throw one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to pick one to see, like, that one can go if I need a new pair. Yeah. Um, I have them, like, uh, ordered in rankings, so I know which yeah, one yeah. Nice. is the first one to go. <laughs> you got that bottom one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough to... There's so many good things. Clothes are hard, like clothes yeah. in general. I buy so many, and then I'm like, wait, what? You don't need any of this. Especially, I don't know... Um, what's your routine in these times of coronavirus but i felt for the first two months oh yeah like i was visiting my parents in portugal and i got stuck there for the first two months uh with like five days worth worth of clothing mm -hmm. so i was wearing all of that the same few clothes for two months and it was okay yeah. so yeah it, you're like you wait this is all with I very need. little 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. I definitely feel like that too during this time where it's just like, oh, I only wear like five shirts, but I have like 30 shirts. Why? I don't it's know. Also Gotta like, be brave. You need, you sometimes need like a new shirt to an event because you need something that's new that's not like slightly worn mm -hmm. out. But then you don't need to throw away the worn out shirt because it's not falling apart. It's just not good for that wedding or whatever. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so now you have one extra thing. <laughs> I don't know. You got to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work really hard on that <laughs> in the coming month. <laughs> Are you doing the thing? I haven't read the, read the book and I've, I've mm -hmm. watched like a couple of episodes of the um, Netflix show. Are you doing the thing of touching things and seeing if they bring you dry yeah does so that work um, yeah i think it really does actually i uh, so this is bad that i haven't really done it because you really have to do it in one go basically she said so that way you like see everything you have but what i did do it on which is very different but a little similar is that i went through my phone for all my photos and i did that with all my photos in my phone where i like looked at each photo and if it was just like a photo that was just like whatever I just deleted it but if it but if i looked at it and i was like i love this photo or this like it actually brought me joy then i kept it and i i went from like twenty thousand photos to like less than two thousand and it's amazing because now when i scroll through i can find photos and each photo i'm like i love this photo so it's like i think there is a real power in what she says of like if you only surround yourself by things that like actively bring you joy, you're just going to have more joy in your life. But I have to do that with my actual stuff, <laughs> not just my digital stuff. <laughs> and digital stuff, it's so hard as well. I, and I, yeah. I, I understand how, uh, how logic it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like I back up all my photos from my phone and don't delete like even the print screens that I won't look at again. <laughs> It's so crazy, but do you ever look at them? Yeah, and like I save okay. some some on my favorites, and those are okay, like great, the yeah. ones I like. And, yes, but yes, then yes. I always feel like there's I have digital space I can save things in. What if I one day will need that uh, uh, yeah, photo of a like... scribble scribble that I? <laughs> that's like the big uh, yeah hoarder mentality. It's like, but one day I'll need it. Yeah. It's like the day's never going to come. <laughs> but if you have the space, oh well. I will yeah. I will think about it now and maybe do a cleanup because you're inspiring mm -hmm. me. Yeah, I would say think about it. <laughs> I would say I haven't, like, I've never, I mean, I did this probably closer to the beginning of quarantine. So here in, like, April, I guess. I mean, I guess it was the same everywhere, but in April. And um, I haven't ever once missed a photo or like thought about a photo that i don't still have so i don't regret it at all getting rid of all that crap <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right i'm going to <laughs> leave this it's it's almost 11 p.m here but i will leave this podcast and i will spend the rest of the evening on my phone deleting photos <laughs> oh my god it took me like a week to do it so good luck <laughs> oh no i'm not sleeping for the rest of the week <laughs> yeah uh-oh <laughs> Is there someone real or fictional or like someone from your life or a public figure that you use as an example of bravery? Um, uh, I feel like I'm sure there's a better answer for this, but um, the first thing that popped into my mind is uh, AOC. Do you know her? Alexandria yeah. Ocasio-Cortez. She's someone who just like, and Ilan Omar, um, 
also uh both of them are just people who i just feel like we like live in such a culture where things get so easily co-opted when money enters the picture and people are like very afraid to step out of line and i think that both of them have just been so brave in like the things that they've been saying where it's just like they were elected because they had certain views and as they've sort of been pushed into the machinery that is like the united states congress and the united states like political machine they've like have really kept to those things like they haven't strayed from their initial sort of messaging which is kind of a shock because i think so many of our politicians are like that and are just immediately will throw things out in order to gain more power so i think them really sticking to their guns like that and really being brave and just like sort of stepping out of turn with like the democratic party here to me is like so inspiring uh so right now they're two people that i really look at and i'm just like yeah like that's how we should all be trying to operate within the larger systems and networks that we all are a part of whatever communities those are whatever systems those are like really trying to be like this is what i think is right so i'm going to be vocal about it and not be like safe or like nice or like you know try to try to like for the sake of consensus drop things that i think are important and instead be like these things are important so i would say right now those two people are definitely and it's good to see people like that in like positions of power public (laughs) power which uh, is what what (laughs) they are Uh, like alexandra ocasio-cortez is like known around the world so yeah it's uh like Mm -hmm. a huge uh position of power to be doing things like that because yeah, sometimes so cool. when you're doing that in like a small scale, you feel a little, yeah, you feel like you're the only one or that you're doing, yeah. putting yourself at stake for things mm-hmm. that maybe don't matter that much. Because if it's like <laughs> a small thing, sometimes it feels dumb. But if you see totally. like a person doing like that in a bigger scale, maybe. Yeah. It's yeah. Inspiring. And I think we, it's sometimes, sometimes I think that we worry that if we do these things, we'll never reach the bigger scale because people that stick to their guns or have these beliefs who have like sort of anti-capitalist beliefs within this capitalistic system are like deplatformed or like are not given a voice so to see someone like her and alana omar like have these huge platforms um yeah it's like so inspiring to be like look like she you can like yeah like she these things aren't small and we're like really starting to see like a groundswell of we're all going to be like talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy that the world knows about her. (laughs) (laughs) She's so awesome. She's cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm also very happy. I know like there's a lot, a lot to do, but I'm happy to see change, you know, some change in America uh, now this past week uh, (laughs) because it influences so much. uh, And it's, um, yeah, it's good. It made, it made me, as weird as it is, although like I have a lot of friends in America and all of that, but as weird as it is, it made me like lift some weight off my off my back, even though I live uh, very far away and it doesn't <laughs> like necessarily affect me personally. Yeah, but I think that I, it's true. Like, I mean, one, I think the United States is like such a sort of uh, global imperialist and economic imperialist. So it does affect everyone, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's the same thing of like uh, when we see 
stuff um, over here when we see stuff in Europe of like, you know, you see a lot of like far right governments coming into power and it, and it feels the same where it's like, oh, this doesn't necessarily affect me, but it, it puts a weight on my shoulders of being like the tides are like turning in the global yeah. scale of like these right wing uh, ideologies are coming into power again and it was so scary so I think even yeah to see it like especially in the United States but if I were to see it in any other country too it's like it's just nice a sort of repudiation of all of that it's like yeah. oh thank thank the lord <laughs> yeah and I feel like it does it did make other right-wing uh, ideologies and people and parties uh, feel involved in the rest of the world. Um, yeah, totally. So it's good to see it thwarted somehow. Yes. And hopefully <laughs> in more and more increments in the next yes. uh, year uh, or two. Fingers crossed. Maybe we'll be back yeah. to be a fully democratic. Well, not. <laughs> uh, yeah, as much there's as a lot. Be. There's a lot of non democratic countries that always existed. And, uh, yeah. For sure. It's uh Yeah, the United States has a lot of issues with its own democracy yeah. of how democratic is it. But I have a lot of optimism, especially for these the the newer people like mm -hmm. AOC or Cory Bush is like another person who was just elected who yeah, there's a lot of like new exciting people coming in that are very cool, very brave, I think. And I think we've seen um a lot of efforts in America uh that I think show another kind of change, which was the amount of people who did vote and the amount of um mm -hmm. like the drive for people to um, register to vote and all of that. That is real change that I Mm -hmm. that hopefully will affect America for years to come. Yeah, I think it is like a generational change. It feels like it feels like so many people that I know were involved in politics, like either texting or knocking on doors or getting really involved in the system or registering people to vote, reminding people to vote. And um, it feels like that's not going to stop. It doesn't feel like that was just about this election. It feels like people are just like actively engaged now, which is really cool. I think it's so important, obviously. Yeah. We have such a low voter turnout here in this country. <laughs> It's like shockingly low. <laughs> it's incredible, though, how easy people get used to it. Because uh, mm -hmm. I'm from Portugal. We were in a dictatorship till 74 and people weren't allowed mm -hmm. to vote. And mm -hmm. now there's like sometimes the voters turnout is very bad. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's and it's been, what, 40 years. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think people can get used to a lot, yeah. which is scary. <laughs> but hopefully they won't. And <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hopefully things are getting better. We are reaching the end of the podcast. And the last thing I will ask you if is if you have anything to promote. With a few people from UCB, we're starting up a new uh, theater here in New York for uh, improv and sketch and characters and just comedy in general. Um, it's going to be uh, the Squirrel Theater. I would say to people, especially people in New York, although it'll be online, so digital classes, so whatever, and digital shows, so people can watch it from wherever, so anyone, but um, it will be in based in New York. And that's it. Uh, I can't think of anything else, but hopefully I'll have something. Hopefully I'll be brave and produce something. <laughs> I will uh, also uh, like get your socials on, on the show Great. notes so people can follow you <laughs> and find out what you're up to. Great. Thank you. Uh, this is so nice. Thank you so much for, for being a guest at my podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at Marianne's Beats on Twitter and Instagram for all dowdy updates. 
as all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag DowdyPod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champagnon for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are on podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Mariana's Beats. I've been Mariana Pejo. Until next week.